are going to continue our study on destiny using the life of Joseph as our pattern. We're going to be learning some more things about destiny and about how God deals with us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 105. Um, the notes we are using is last week's notes, uh, maybe one or two adjustments here and there, but basically it's the same notes as last week. In prayer, I felt I needed to continue and conclude on what was in the notes um, as opposed to moving on to the next phase. So we're going to continue to teach about Potiphar's house and some of the lessons we can learn from that. So our key text, Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Also Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So let's just do a brief recap. Destiny speaks of one's destination. And a man or a woman of destiny is focused on the will of God for their life. And they stay focused on their destiny when they allow their life choices to remain in line with God's word. So whenever we are doing the right thing before God, we allow ourselves to be aligned to his purpose for our lives. As you can see with Joseph's story, the way his life was turning out, you would have thought that it was a disaster. But actually, in the end, you realize that because Joseph maintained his integrity and stayed true to his values, he fulfilled God's assignment. And so we've been looking at the life of Joseph, and we said about various stages of his life. So his, his formative years, beginning in his father's house, the foundation that he had in his father's house as a beloved son, until he became an abused brother or a wounded brother in Genesis 37 from verses 1 to 17. So everyone starts in a home. Everyone starts in a family when it comes to your destiny. Then we said that from his father's house, he went into the pit of despair, which really was a place where as a freeborn slave, he became, sorry, a freeborn son, he became a dependent slave. He became a slave through the pit of despair. And then we're at Potiphar's house, where it's a place of dependence and a season of servitude. You depend on another, and you serve another's vision until that season is over. And in Potiphar's house, he went from being a favored slave to a prisoner of the state. So it was looking like from bad to worse. And then, we haven't looked at it yet, we'll be looking at it later on sometime, hopefully this year. 
we talked about the fact, we will be talking about the fact that from Potiphar's house, he went into prison. And as a prisoner, he went from a favored convict to a forgotten slave. And then in prison, he was there as a forgotten assistant until such a time that he was promoted from the prison to the palace. And it was in the palace, in the place of promotion, that once he passed that season of promotion, he then began to fulfill his destiny. And the point there is this, is that many times people confuse their promotion with their destiny. They think because now finally things are looking well for them, they've entered their destiny. And actually, their destiny has to do with God's intention for them, why they are alive. So, you as a man or as a woman of God, you as a child of destiny, must recognize God's hand on your life. And today I want us to look at how God oversees your life, the oversight of God concerning your life as a child of destiny. Now, we're not going to read Genesis 39, 1 to 23, because we've been reading right through it. And I want us to look at this in the context of Potiphar's house. Now, in each season of your life, God will lead you differently. In each season of your life, God will lead you differently. And again, I want to stress this point. If you want to fulfill God's destiny for your life, then do the right thing when the occasion finds itself. Do not compromise on your values. Do not compromise on the word of God because you want to achieve a goal. I have seen many people who, in the name of fulfilling their destiny, will violate a clear principle of the word of God and then justify it with the Lord's leading. God told me. You know, the amount of things God tells his people, according to his people, is as if God has forgotten his word. Uh, so we're going to talk about God's prerogative or his oversight over your life during a season of depending on another to fulfill, um, to, to, to do what you're supposed to do or serving another person's vision. Or even if you're in a pit of despair, or even if you are in a place of promotion, how God oversees your life. Psalm 105, we read it. He said he sent a man before them. So the first thing about God's oversight is that God is the one who directs you. He is the one who is overruling everything. The scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him with his hand. So the point in that verse is this. The good man delights in the way of the Lord and the Lord delights in the ways of a good man. And though the good man falls, because just because you are looking to God to oversee your life doesn't mean you won't mess up. You will mess up from time to time. But though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him in his hand. So God sent Joseph. And then in Genesis 45, 7 and 8, he says it like this. Joseph said, God sent me before you 
to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. God sent me before you. Now, remember, again, when you look at Joseph's life, you couldn't see the hand of God. You couldn't see it. When his brothers were scheming, there was no angel standing there directing them. It was their wicked heart that was directing them. When he was thrown into that pit and then they decided to sell him off as a slave, it wasn't the Holy Spirit who said to them, sell him off as a slave. They, out of their greed for money, sold him as a slave. In Potiphar's house, when Potiphar's wife lied about him, because of her wicked intentions, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that was telling her to fabricate a story. It was her own lust and her own wickedness. In prison, when he was forgotten by the butler, it wasn't God who, who said, don't mention anything about Joseph. It was the butler who was consumed with his own importance, who forgot all about that slave. But in all of that, God was behind it. So, we're going to talk about how you trust the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And this is a, a, a key verse about trusting the Lord. And I use this for my life. This is how one of the paradigms that governs how I do things. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Or do not rely on how you see things. Do not rely on how you see things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say all your heart. This is such a key point. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. In all your ways. Now, what I have discovered is Many of us, we acknowledge him in key areas of our life. Important decisions. Often after we've made the important decision, then we, we, we talk to him. After we decide we're going to marry them, then we ask him if he will help us to get married. We don't want to hear whether the person is right or not. In fact, you know, I have discovered this. At times, people will say they want to hear. They'll say, no, 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 tell me. What do you believe God is saying? And then you say, God said no. And then they'll say, I don't get the witness. Come on, how many of you have ever been like that before? Hey, you are really holy people. Hey, me, I know. It's like that. At times, God would tell me something, and I'll say, no. Have you ever done that before? Oh, now you agree because I confess mine. Now you're, now you're agreeing. I see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways. So I have learned to acknowledge him in the big things and in the small things. Because sometimes in the small things, you can miss something. I can miss something. So, sure. Let's, let's use marriage. I know I use a lot of marriage illustrations, single people. 
I, I, I believe that you love me anyway, and you keep praying for me. But I'm very limited in my wisdom. So, you're getting married. Oh, God, lead me. You believe God has said, this is the one to marry. But you consult him about how much you should spend. I'm yet to meet a couple who actually have ever done that. Who said, wait, wait. Forget the horse and the carriage. Let's check with the Lord. <laughs> no, rather they allowed their budget to determine or their, their power to determine. Because as far as they're concerned, they don't need God to tell them how much they should spend on their wedding. Well, go for it. But you may find out after the wedding day that you've wasted a lot of unnecessary money. These people eating all that food, they've ate. <laughs> In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So the key for him to direct you is in how you acknowledge him. How you acknowledge God will determine how he directs you. So if you want him to direct you in the small things, then acknowledge him in the small things. If you want him to direct you in the big things, then acknowledge him in that. If you want him to direct you in every area, then acknowledge him in every area. All right, so key areas we touched on last week. Let's emphasize them again. Number one, God oversees you through his leadership of your life. He says, now Joseph had been, verse 1 in Genesis 39, Joseph had been taken to Egypt, down to Egypt. But it was God who was taking him there. Number two, because we've touched on this already, I want to move on. God will oversee you by providing protection for you, by protecting you. You see, when it comes to your destiny, you need to realize it is in God's interest for it to be fulfilled. It's more in his interest than yours. He is more committed to protecting you to ensure that his purposes are realized than you preserving yourself. And he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, also we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, you as a child of destiny, if you are committed to honoring the Lord, God has ensured you'll be protected. You will be protected. There will be nothing that the enemy can do that can take you away from his purpose. He will protect you. And beloved, even if you've made mistakes... You've made bad calls. You know, Abraham made a very bad call. They were going into Egypt. He said to his wife, now listen, before we go to this place, I know you're really beautiful. So if anybody asks who you are, tell them you're my sister, the great man of faith. So he they go to these places and they see, because he says, look, I know these people, they're wicked. And they'll see, if they find out you're my wife, they're going to kill me and take you. Such a man of faith, eh? Remember, God had already told him that he was with him. And yet, he made such a major blunder to the point where his wife was now taken into the king's palace as one of, her, uh, one of his uh, concubines. But God intervened in spite of Abraham. 
It wasn't the man's fault. It was his fault. So what I'm trying to say is, even if you have messed up, say to your neighbor, even if you've messed up, tell him. When it comes to his protection over your life, you can still invoke his protection. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Why? Because the reason why many people violate their principles for their in order to achieve their destiny is because of a spirit of covetousness. Wanting what belongs to somebody else. That's what covetousness is. It's where you desire something that belongs to somebody. Whether it's their husband or their wife. You know, that happens in church. Whether it's their anointing. Whether it's their house. And we have a doctrine for that. We name it and then we claim it. Claiming things that belong to other people. He said, look, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Oh, materialistic evangelical Christians. We must be content with what we already have. I'm yet to find people who glory in being content with the little they have. They call it small-mindedness. No, 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 no. We are not satisfied with this level of money. We want more. I'm yet to find a Christian who doesn't want more money. Maybe I'll find them here. Who, who? Is there anyone here who doesn't want more money? Can I just see your holy hands? You see, everybody wants more money. Be content with such things as you have. This is, this is New Testament Christianity. Why? He said, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, whatever the enemy wants to do to take away from you, he has said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever they try to take away from you, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what do we, what's our response? Therefore, the King James says, therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. One of our members, I, I think I shared this, the other day they had this vision about ISIS coming in here. And uh, when ISIS came in here, uh, half of you precious people decided to follow ISIS. Say minus me. But in, according to her vision, where is she? Is she here? Yeah, where is she? Yeah, yeah. Half, half, of, the, half of you precious people decided to follow ISIS. And the other half were kind of not following ISIS. And I was lamenting. But you see, what I realize the vision is telling us is this. Right now, as we are, half of us are not committed to him. And the other half are kind of committed. And they need leadership and direction. The Lord is your helper, beloved. Don't be afraid of what man wants to do. Look, let them take it all. If it is his will, let them take it all. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I, many times I'll just say, I'll say when I'm faced with crises, I'll ask myself, and I'll ask, I'll ask myself, well, what is the worst that can happen here? 
What is the worst? I can go to heaven early. That's the worst. Hallelujah. Just because God is with you and I does not mean, and just because he protects us does not mean you won't face challenges, but he will protect you. Third thing about his oversight is his presence. His presence. The scripture says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. And you need to know the Lord is with you. As a child of God, the Lord is with you. And your success is determined by his presence, not by your results. Fourth point is his prosperity. When God is overseeing your life, he is committed to your prosperity. But don't confuse prosperity with materialism. Don't confuse the two. The Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph and he was prosperous. He, whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Simply put, when God is committed to your prosperity, he allows you to complete your given assignment. He allows you to complete your given assignment. Fourth point is, so it's the fifth, number five, is his oversight over your destiny means he shows you mercy or kindness. Another term for that is you experience the favor of God. Now, whilst by virtue of the fact that we are born again, we enter God's favor, we need to learn how to appropriate God's favor. The Bible says in verse 21 of um, um, Genesis um, 39, the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You see, God's oversight will mean he will give you favor with people who are very unlikely to show you favor. The Bible says that when the Lord's ways, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. May your enemies become at peace with you in Jesus' name. But one of the things about God's mercy is this. You can grow in his mercy. You can grow in receiving his mercy or grow in receiving his favor. Even our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 252 increased in favor with God. He increased with favor with God. Now, that in itself is a concept that blows my mind, that the eternal son of God, the uncreated God, who became a man, increased with favor with God. But he did. May you increase with favor with God. So, in other words, you can learn to experience more of his mercy over your life. One of my favorite portions of Scripture, Psalm 103. He says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. He said, the Lord is merciful. He's abounding. The Lord is gracious and abounding in mercy. I don't know if they, have they put it up there. Okay, oh, excellent. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Good. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He is abounding in mercy. He is abounding in mercy. So what that is, you can flip it. He's abounding in favor. In favor. And when you are trusting his leadership over your life, over your destiny, 
and you're looking to him for mercy, he will not disappoint you. Yeah. So I like to tell him many times, Lord, I'm looking to you for mercy. I'm looking to you for favor. I'm looking to you for kindness in this situation. His oversight over your life means he's committed to your favor. Now, Nahum 1.7 says this, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. The way in which you enact the favor of God is by trusting in him. By trusting in him. And that was by relying on him and relying on his word and relying on his ways. Now, the life of Eli the priest in 1 Samuel chapter 2 shows us how one can sabotage the destiny of God on their life. How? By dishonoring God when they should honor him. Beloved, I really want to encourage you to commit to holiness, to commit to living a lifestyle that seeks to honor the Lord in your secret history. Yeah. Because if you don't, you can sabotage your destiny. And we don't want that for you. Now, look at Eli. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Now, Eli's situation was this. His sons, I don't know if I mentioned it two weeks ago, last week, but let me go over again. His sons were dishonoring God. What happened was they were sleeping with the women in the temple. I mean, in church. They weren't even doing it at home. They were doing it in church. So, like, now, you see, like, now, maybe if I was Hophni or Phoenix, you know, before I come and preach, I'll just go and enjoy myself a little bit with someone. Then come and preach. And then when I finish, just for the road, have another enjoyment. <laughs> you know, that kind of insanity actually happens in the modern church. And Eli found out, and he did nothing. And another thing they were doing was this. When people would bring the offerings, their rule was that the priest was supposed to have like flesh hooks, and they would dip it. As if the, the meat was being cooked, they would dip it in. And then whatever came was this. These two young men said, no, 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 we're not having that. When they were bringing the thing, they will say, no, 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 give me the big piece. The huge leg of lamb or the fat beef. And they'll say, no, but we need to do it first. They say, shut up, give it to me. And they'll take it by force. Now, the modern equivalent is preachers today who the offerings that belongs to God, they take it for themselves. Under the guise of anointing. What belongs to God, they take for themselves. Or they abuse the privilege that they have. You see, as a, as, as, a, as, a, as a father of the house, there are certain privileges that are mine. Because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the father of the house. Yeah. But I don't access those privileges. But some people, not only do they access the privilege, they abuse it. Yeah. Now here's the thing about the sin of Eli's sons. It was a sin against, it was a spiritual sin. It was a, it was a blasphemous sin. 
It was sacrilegious. In other words, it was treating things that are holy, things that belong to God, cheaply. Now look at what the Lord says. 1 Samuel 2.30. He says, therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. In other words, the destiny of your family is that forever, Eli, your, de- your family are to be priests to your God. That's what I carved out for you forever. That was your destiny. But look at this. But now, says the Lord, the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. This is why you must cry out to God, help me never to dishonor you. Oh God. You know, when I see struggles in my life, when I see areas of inconsistency in my life, I cry out to God. I say, Lord, this area is wrong. I see it, but I feel like I'm a victim of my own desires. Help me, help me, help me. The best way to pray when you have a bondage is help me. Don't justify. Don't say that I was born this way. It is true. You may have been born that way. It's called the lust of the flesh. All of us have been born a certain way. Are you still there? Yeah. Because by reason of a fallen man, there are things you are born with that contradict the will of God. You can't say because you are born with a temper or you are born with a certain um, proclivity towards certain things or certain individuals. Therefore, because you are born that way, you are going to have to do it. Just because I am born in a certain way where if you annoy me, I just feel like slapping you, doesn't mean I can say I'm just being true to my nature. Me, in my family, we, are, we have a quick temper. So when you annoy us, we slap you so that we can ease our frustration. That's the way we are. Ask my brother, ask my sisters. This is how... Our mom did it, our dad did it. We've been doing it for generations. Granddad is very good at it. So you have to understand, as I slap you right now, you have to understand I'm just being true to myself. And your family is known to be people who can be bullied. So as I bully you, you also must remain faithful to your heritage. (laughs) Yeah. This is the kind of insanity we now have, where people are justifying their sin because it's in their genes. (laughs) Are you still here? So, Eli refused to honor the Lord by disciplining his sons. He was supposed to discipline his sons. You know how he disciplined his sons? Hey, guys, I've heard that you guys are sleeping with the women in church and stealing God's, God's food and God's money. I heard it. You shouldn't be doing that, you know. It's really bad. If you keep doing that, God's going to deal with you, you know. That was what he got. He gave to his children. Me? Man, if that was Danny, he would find out. I don't care how big and strong you are. I'll pull his head. And if he tries to hit me back, I'll say, I bind you in Jesus' name. I'll beat him for that. How can you do it? And then I will make sure the whole church knows he's a rascal. 
Absolutely. Tell the women, stay away from that lunatic. He's my son. Yeah. But you see, he refused to honor the Lord by disciplining his sons when they blasphemed the holy things. And it resulted in his destiny being forfeit and his son, sons being damned forever. His sons were damned forever. Look at this. First Samuel 3.14. He said, God said, therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's sons, Eli's house, sorry, shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. You know what he's saying? The blood of Jesus can't forgive this. That's what he's saying. The blood of Jesus cannot atone for this. Because this is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? So when it comes to your destiny, you have to protect your destiny. Look, you're not doing God a favor by living holy or by being committed to holiness. And look, I know, I know that there are some people, what I've just said, like, I, I don't receive it. Go ahead. Go, don't receive it. He says it cannot be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Ever. That's serious. That's what blasphemy of, yeah, even a child knows that. That's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. When you blaspheme the Spirit of God, that's it. That is it. You say, Pastor, have I done it? I don't know. That's between you and your conscience. Well, I don't think so. The mere fact you're asking that question will be an indication that you haven't. Yeah. So God is committed to favoring you when you remain under his leadership. Number seven. Is it Six. Six, sorry. Apart from him favoring you, he's also committed to giving you favor with men. Giving you favor with men. So Joseph found favor in the sight of Potiphar, his master. And you and I need to know that as you commit to doing what is right before God, God will give you favor with those you need favor with. Sometimes you are working with someone and it's like nothing you do is good enough. Don't worry about that. And they think that your destiny is in their hands. No, no, no. Your destiny is in God's hands. Don't worry. Say, hey, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't do this, I will sack you. Don't say, go on and sack me then. Don't do that either. Just commit into Lord's hands. Our Lord said to Pilate, you have no authority over me except what was given to you from above. That's why you don't have to be afraid of what men can do. You see, there are certain people that they want you to behave like an animal before they show you favor. No, 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 no. Do not compromise your values in order to get ahead. Don't. Because God is the one who is overseeing your destiny. We need favor with men as well as with God. True, but we must make sure we don't violate our principles in order to have favor with men. Number seven, when God is overseeing your life, he blesses you for the sake of others. Joseph was, um, Potiphar's house was blessed in verse five because of Joseph. And God's blessings comes through association. See, there are people who don't realize it that by virtue of the people they associate with, what that person is carrying is why they're able to do what they're doing. 
I know for sure that by virtue of association with the anointing that we are carrying, that's why certain children remain in their faith. That's why certain marriages remain. That's why certain people were not destroyed. I know. It's the truth. By virtue of association, there are certain things that are hindered from happening to us. I understood this principle very strongly when I went to Ghana for two years. Because before I went to Ghana for two years, I assumed that there was a, we were, there was a certain level of grace upon all of us. But I, when I went to Ghana for two years, for that period, I realized there was like a, a, a transference. There was a grace I was carrying that I took with me to Ghana. And when we came back, we found people were no longer serving the Lord. Who at the time were strong. And we found people who should have known better doing things that they should never be doing. By virtue of association, there is a grace that comes upon you. Look at verse 5. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he did, all that he had in the house and in the field. You need to understand the negative is also true. There are certain people, by virtue of your association, you open the door for certain things to come into your life. So if, like, as a pastor, I'm living an immoral life, I'm living an immoral life, no matter how well I preach and teach, you will find my leaders, my key leaders, will be living an immoral life. If I was money-minded, you'll find my key leaders will be money-minded. Yeah. And it's the same with you. Yeah. And you will find the spirit that a person is carrying affects all that they have influence with. So I find that at times people come in, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm showing you a principle. At times people, when guest ministers come and they see how you guys are and they begin to interact with you guys, they say, you know, your people are so easy to deal with. They're very reasonable people. They're very simple. Yeah, I know why. God's blessing comes through association. Specifically with those on the road to destiny. So, a faithful commitment to your destiny will cause others to be blessed because of you. Yeah. I was told by um, one or two members of his cell group that, you know, how Andrew Boba has been such a blessing to them and how he has helped them so much. And he doesn't know it. I get these feedback. I've got my, I've got my ears in my eyes. I ask, How's, so, sometimes people don't know they're behaving like my ears and eyes. I just ask them a question. So what cell do you go to? They say, I go to this person. So, so how is it going to say, oh, you know what? That guy is really this way or is really that way? And since I've been in that cell, it's really helped me to know this and to do this. How many of you have been blessed by the life of Pastor Peter? Pastor Peter. Look at that. Has he really helped you? He's, he's been a big difference in your life, isn't he? Yeah. By virtue of association. Yeah. That's what you find. And your life will be a blessing to others if you're committed to his destiny for your life. I see you being a blessing in Jesus' name. And last but not least, 
God's oversight over your life will lead to his promotion for your life. His promotion. In verse 22, he says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison. And whatever they did, there it was his doing. Now, you notice Joseph had just gone, life had thrown Joseph into prison, but God's signature of promotion remained upon Joseph. So your environment does not determine your promotion when you remain committed to God's plan for your life. Don't think that your promotion, just give me five more minutes and I'm done. Don't think that your promotion is determined by the environment you find yourself. This guy looks like life had thrown him into prison. But in prison, he experienced promotion. Psalm 73, verses 6 and 7. For exaltation or promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Say to your neighbor, God is the judge. Yeah. God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. I pray that through your wise choices, you will experience the promotion of God. Because when you are committed to his oversight, over time, he will promote you. No matter what any man or woman is engineering against you, what any demon is assigned to destroy you, when you are committed to his oversight, he will promote you. So, we should submit to God so that he can determine when we are promoted. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That he may exalt you in due time. And this is the thing that I've noticed. People don't like the due time. They say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he will exalt you now. But no, it's in due time. Say to your neighbor, due time. There is always an appointed time for everything. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. To everything, there is a, a season. And a what? Plan, time, 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 time. For every purpose under the sun. Everything has a season. Everything. And everyone has their time. And if you learn to make the right choices for your life. Even when it's hurting you, make the right choice. Even when you look like you're losing, make the right choice. Even when you have been abandoned, make the right choice. Even when you are despised, make the right choice. Honor God in your decisions. And over time, you will be exalted. Yeah. We have seen it. For so many years walking with the Lord, we have seen it. We have seen them come, we have seen them go. And as time goes by, as time goes by, you realize, no, it is always wise to do the right thing. Ladies, do the right thing. Don't give up your virginity or your purity because of some insane young man. 
Brothers, do the right thing. Don't give up on your purity because of some woman who can't control herself. Do the right thing. Sometimes they will insult you. They will, they'll tell you, oh, you, you, you stay there. You keep listening. Look, that person is not married. That person is not married. That person is not married. You keep listening to that pastor. Tell them, even if I never marry, I am not dishonoring God. Aye! But you are married. That's why you're saying that. Tell them, even if you never marry, you're not dishonoring God. Because in the age to come, you'll be glad you did it. You'll be glad you did it. As people get nearer to that day, they begin to evaluate. And those who made the right choices are glad they did it. In Jesus' name, amen.